Welcome to the Blau Journal podcast. This is Anthony Baer, the publisher of Blau Journal. Today we are at the second day at ICSC Recon in Las Vegas. This is the largest retail conference uh, in the U.S. Uh, today, my podcast guests, I'm very excited to be able to sit down with Scott Holmes. He is the Senior VP, Vice President and National Director of Retail at Marcus and Millichap. Yep. Scott, thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me. I know you're a busy individual. Um, let's first just say you guys host a great event. You hosted a great event yesterday, yep. which is your, your retail trends for your clients. Yep. Uh, it's very informative. Um, and you also have other events that are very nice to attend. So I just want to say on behalf of myself, thank you very much for putting great content out Absolutely. there. Uh, and let's just start off a little bit about yourself, uh, what your role sure. is with Marcus Millichap, and then we can talk about uh, the trends and a lot of things that you've put into this kind of retail Bible I got here yeah. on uh, retail trends for 2019. Great. Uh, well, I appreciate you having me and uh, that you come last night. Uh, we had a great time. Uh, one of the biggest crowds we've ever had, I think, at retail trends. A lot of really good positive comments afterwards about Hassam's. Uh, presentation, our CEO, and as well as the panel discussion afterwards, just talking about all the different trends that are going on in, in retail right now. My role in the company is uh, I head the retail divisions of the company. Uh, retail as a product type is is the number one by terms of uh, transaction count as a company for us. It represents about 40% of our transactions as a firm. Uh, multifamily is the other uh, biggest product type for right. us as a firm. Uh, and so that's that's interesting because there's a lot of it. There's been a lot of interplay between multifamily and retail. So maybe we'll get yeah, that there in, is. in a and minute. Yeah, uh, and, and even industrial and industrial too. Right? You're which right. is now the sexy space, which never really was. <laughs> exactly. Kind of right. Exactly. So my role is just to provide leadership, strategic direction, coaching, advice, help, all that kind of stuff with all things retail. Uh, I joined the firm at the beginning of last year after a long career on the principal side of the business as really a client of the firm. Uh, and others uh, doing acquisitions for public read, working for uh, institutional investors like pension fund advisors, uh, groups like that, uh, doing investments. So, so I was I was on the principal side, acquiring right. and managing, doing asset management, all that kind of stuff prior to coming here. So it's been been fun to come here and, and help uh, the brokerage team really uh, understand that client perspective and and just provide. Uh, some more direction and perspective from, from that range. Yeah. So. Now you have over 80 offices at Marcus Little Chap. Yeah. Uh, Canada as well. We've been adding offices in Canada. Exposure? Canada is the international okay. exposure for us right now. Yeah, nowhere else yet. Uh, we do have a global capital group that uh, we do a lot of events in foreign countries. Uh, we were just in France. We've been in China. Uh, we've been to London. So to feature U.S. real estate, obviously foreign buyers are a big source in the U.S. as well. And so as as the company doing more transactions than any other uh, in the country, we just want to make sure we get to those places and make people aware of us and our platform so they can see our inventory that we have. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about the culture here at Marginal sure. Chap. I mean, they're known, as you said, the, really the go-to investment brokers, yep. where you come when you want to get into the business and hopefully stay into the business. Yep. Um, Maybe talk a little bit about what is the culture at Marcus Millichap. Yeah, the I mean, we've been around for almost 50 years uh, as a company, and the culture is one of collaboration and teamwork. And so, you know, our, our platform, what we call MNet, uh, is a is a uh, a sharing system we have between all of our brokers with all of our product types, and that's really key right now because if you have somebody selling an apartment project, uh, you know, and wanting to reinvest into a different product type, the broker who's helping them sell the apartment project can plug into our system and connect right. them with our other brokers who are doing retail or industrial or office or any other product type. And that's just been a wonderful way to connect uh, buyers and sellers across all product types and across all these different regions. 
So, you know, having 80 offices and just in retail alone, we have 450 specialists. That, yeah, I was going to say, what retail. is the total company-wide? Uh, total company-wide is almost 2,000 agents, wow. uh, but 450 is about the number for retail specialists. Now, the, the, the story uh, of, the, of the company, it started in the Bay Area, is that correct? Uh, it did, yes. Yep. Uh, yep, George Marcus, Bill Millichap started the firm in Palo Alto. Palo Alto, Alto. Thank yeah, you. that's what I thought, right. <laughs> had, to, yeah. had to double check myself yeah. there. Uh, so yes, uh, and then from there, it's just grown uh, across the country. And how long have you been in Canada? Just a few years now. Uh, we, we acquired another firm last year, uh, Toronto, Ottawa based. Uh, we've been in Vancouver for a while. Uh, Edmonton was a recent ad. Uh, so yeah, happy to fill in the details later for you if you want, but I, yeah, no, that's great. Head, I Is there any along. interest uh, eventually to maybe have some footprint in Europe at all or no? Not that I can speak to uh, at yeah. this moment. Okay. Yeah. Uh, curious. I was just saying it because I was over there at a conference and I met a couple uh, colleagues over there. So okay. uh, it, it was interesting. Yep. Um, obviously, we're here for ICSC, uh, which is retail. So let's talk yep. a little bit about retail. Um, as I mentioned here, you put out this nice, um, let's call it Cliff Notes Bible of retail. Yes, yeah. Because it's, um, it's small, but it's full of good information uh, really regarding what's trending, what's going on in right. the industry and retail. Um, maybe we can talk a little bit about what's in here about the five F's sure. uh, for people of, of what's really uh, the kind of happening areas okay. a little bit. Yeah, well, I say, uh, you know, the one big theme uh, in, in retail trends, our event last night, as well as this report that we put out, is that retail is much more positive than a lot of the headlines might lead you to believe. If you're not in the industry, if you're not a retailer, if you're not a landlord, uh, you know, who's really in the business, uh, and if you're just a consumer and you're reading headlines, you might think retail is terrible and it's all dying, you know? right. but that's really not the case at all. Uh, when you look at the fundamentals... We call that fake news then, right? It, eh, you said it, not me. <laughs> um, that's but, why I'm here to get the to real truth, degree, right? Yeah, that's no. why we're sitting on this podcast, to exactly. really get your take. I mean, uh, so the people that are in the business, you know, the people that I've been walking all around yesterday and today, meeting with and sitting down, uh, they just kind of shake their heads and smile because they know what's really happening. You know, uh, sitting with a public REIT that tells me, you know, across this whole platform, which is nationwide, you know, millions of square feet, they're 98% occupied. Right. Uh, and and I've been hearing that from a lot of others too. Yes, there are old legacy tenants, Sears, Toys R Us, you know, things like that that you see in the news. But there are so many other thriving tenants that are waiting to take that space. And because construction has been so low ever since 08 in retail. Um, they really need that as a release valve to give them opportunity to expand. So, you know, TJ Maxx and Ross and Burlington and Hobby Lobby, I mean, you could just go down the list. We have a bunch of them, I think, in our report. Um, so many of them want to expand and they're not building brand new space, right. so they need to refill old space that's getting vacated. Which is good because before, as you said, the famous quote from your panelists was, we're not over-retailed, we're... Uh, yeah. Under we're not overbuilt, we're under-demolished. Under under under-demolished, yeah. right? That was the, uh, from last year's uh, event, right? Right, which uh, was really the case in the last 10 years. I think we were over-retailed, and I think maybe yeah. now they put the brakes on and demand's really picking true. up because you have a lot of these, uh, you know, digitally native brands that are right. coming that, you know, maybe talk a little about digitally native brands sure, and sure. omni-channel. Yeah, so, uh, well, let me touch on your, your 5F oh, question sorry. Yes, since I didn't do that yet. So we, we came up with that as just a way to remember kind of the five categories that are really thriving right now in, in retail. Uh, the first one is food, um, you know, and we showed a chart last night that, that uh, dining out expenditures in the company uh, went above grocery expenditures a few yeah. years ago. And that's a trend we're seeing. A lot more people are eating out. Um, restaurants are kind of the new anchors in a lot of shopping centers now. That's really driving traffic and driving the visits that come to those places. So restaurants are, are a category uh, that are certainly doing well. 
Um, fashion is another one. Uh, you know, the ones I mentioned, Ross, TJ Maxx, you know, that fast fashion, you know, more discount-oriented. The what they call the treasure hunt model. People right. love to go and, and shop and find the new thing and get a good deal. Uh, those are expanding, growing by a lot. Uh, fitness is another one. So a lot of the fitness concepts, you know, the traditional gyms used to be frowned upon by shopping center owners. Sure. So they didn't like having them there. Now they love them, you know, because the culture has changed. People wear their yoga pants and, and all that all over the place. So they can go get a workout and then go next door and grab a coffee or a juice or shop in Ross or TJ Maxx. So they love having that that traffic generator. Oh, yeah, foot traffic. I was just reading about, about Planet Fitness, yeah. which I actually subscribe when I travel just so I know there's a quick gym to go to sure. when I'm there because uh, they have such a, you know, right. a lot of locations. But I was listening to the CEO talk that they have a waiting list now of developers they uh, do. And, and mall owners who are like, take chunks like Sears or whatnot, right. take 30,000 square feet of our yep. base and uh, let's bring foot traffic again. They have like a little, like, I think 500, you know, wait list now just right. to put in Planet Fitnesses. So that's totally different than where yeah. it was 10 years that's, ago. That's a big new source of demand for yeah. that large junior anchor space in the old power centers, you know, the Toys Babies concepts. Uh, Planet Fitness is a great tenant to fit, you know, fill those in. And it generates so much more traffic. As you think about it, somebody has a, you know, a three or four day uh, a week schedule of working out, right. that's three or four times a week that they're coming to your shopping center as well. And then. people are trying to be more efficient, so they want to knock out, like kill two birds with one right. stone. So maybe they're going to work out, but then they're going to grab some quick groceries if there's just a small, exactly. like a mini, uh, you know, like Whole Foods or whatever there, and then they're yep. going to, you know, uh, you know, grab a smoothie or something, exactly. or a quick coffee. And so the, the shopping right. center now gets, you know, three or four, you know, kind of checklist <laughs> items uh, that they purchase from their, their yeah. No, for sure. So yeah, what what have I covered? Uh, food, fashion, fitness. Um, the biggest one coming. Uh, I'm gonna up. wait for the next one. Uh, right. But but yeah, f uh, furniture right. slash home improvements. You're kind of we're kind of squeezing in home improvements on that on that F. Uh, furniture has definitely benefited by all the new household formation that's been happening because the economy is doing very well and and you know the twelve thousand uh, you know twenty one year olds that were hitting the country every every right. day uh, that Hassan pointed out last night. Um, you know they're. They're forming new households. They're needing furniture. Uh, furniture is not growing as much, you know, if you look at the year-over-year -year sales growth, but it is still growing. Um, it's not shrinking like, uh, say, sporting goods. That's, a, that's one of the product types it's not doing as well. And then the last F is fun, um, you know, entertainment, experience. Experiential is a, is a buzzword you keep hearing at retail conferences all, all over. Um, so doing things that are fun. And, and if you notice, all of these are relatively internet-resistant concepts as well, right? You, going out to eat, is something you do and it's consumed and you're done and then you need to do it again. Uh, working out is something you go and you do and you do it again, you know. Um, so I would say fashion is definitely getting eaten into by some of the uh, the online concepts. Yep. Um, but the flip side of that is, you know, groups like Untuck It and Warby Parker, you know, the, that are in that fashion right. category, they're opening stores because right. they recognize opening stores actually is a well, better you, way for them really to grow sales. If you really think about it, let's just talk at least from the male perspective. Shopping for clothes is not fun for us, for the <laughs> most part, yep. right? It's yep. a necessary evil. Yep. Uh, women, I think, tend to like browse and shop a lo lo lot longer. Um, yep. So that that's kind of friction, as we call it, right? right? For guys, they would like to have either know what they want, picked out, get in, get out, go quick. Yep. So if, if we don't even have to go to the mall to shop and we could find and have someone who knows our, our outfits and, you know, yep. like a, a stylist online and, yep. you know, once every quarter they send us new suits and whatnot, that's a yep. blessing. Um, but I think a lot of people were thinking, well, it's all or nothing, right? Retail's dead. It's all going to go online. Yeah. It's all, and I think what we're seeing now is that really most things in life come back to a hybrid. Absolutely. And it's really a, kind of a hybrid, meaning, yeah. you know, 
big box stores are going digital, digital is going to real estate, right. um, and there's going to be a blend. And for some people, it makes more sense. Like you and I want to buy, if we could buy a suit and they know our measurements, I don't want to get in a car, go sit and wait in line, wait right. you know, for all of this if they could send it to me. Um, but for other people, and like I said, specifically women who like more of that browsing, um, they want the experience of that. Mm -hmm. Now, for us guys, maybe we would get everything measured, go in when we're at the mall to pick up our soup, but then we're gonna go have something to eat where we're getting an experience right. there because that hour, half an hour we would have spent getting tailored, getting fit up, it's mm -hmm. done. We yep. could spend that sitting and having a nice meal and a glass of wine or whatever what yeah, we exactly. wife to shop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? so. um, you know, one of the things that happens in a physical store that just doesn't happen as well online is, is this whole idea of inspiration. Right. You know, I go there and I see it and then I get an idea. You know, you're, online isn't as good at doing that yet. As, as convenient as it is, and I'm, I'm with you, I'm, I was an early adopter on Amazon. Uh, so I was one I. of those first Amazon Prime people, yeah. you know. Um, and so for a lot of different reasons. But, um, you know, you still want to, like with a suit, you just mentioned a suit. Like if I can if I can reduce the friction in the process, yeah. that's great. But I still want to go there and touch right. it and feel it and see it and get an idea. But if we you know. went in and we touched it and feel it once, we know the fabrics, we know what I, we want already. I don't have to come back in for, your store for a staple replacement item. Yeah. I'm with you, but for like something new, oh, it's, you still want to go there. Of course. Yeah, yeah um, of course. So yeah, you're right, and that, it's it's going to be a balance. It's always and that's the traditional retailers uh, are now hitting their stride. I really think with balancing the two. You know, they've figured it out. They know yeah. how to do the online and the in-store right. and to merge the two together. Or something um, similar to like Tesla, even though they, they said they're cutting back on some of their stores because yeah. they're, they're conserving ca uh, capital right now. But if you look at that model, it makes sense. Um, you yep. don't really need uh, prime uh, dealerships, uh, you know, with huge with, lots with huge filled lots with, them. with yeah, you right. know, 50 acres uh, to go kick the tires. Most people hate that process. That's where yeah. you want it to be frictionless. But if, mm -hmm. if you could go browse online, if you go in their store, Tesla, sit in a car, take a test drive from one of their shopping centers around, pick out your models, whatnot, and yeah. then they deliver it to your home, or if you have questions, you can go back online. That's a pretty great experience. Right. Uh, so yeah. I think, and that's kind of a hybrid. And, and their square is. footage is much smaller, uh -huh. which allows them to maybe have different locations, uh, mm -hmm. whether it's Tesla or not, but I, I do think that's sure. kind of a, a nice example. Right. You know, of the hybrid And a model. lot of retailers are, are doing that. You know, you saw a trend for many years of bigger box, you know, Best Buy, let's take yeah. them as an example. They used to have a 60,000 square foot box that had everything in it. And, and a huge section of their store was dedicated to little round plastic discs that had music on them, you know? And they don't need that section of right. that store anymore. So, yeah. you know, Best Buy went from 60 to 45 to 38 yeah. to 35, you know, all the way down to 15 and realized, oh, that's too small. And then they came back up again. So, you know, that, that optimal size for some of those uh, took some some time to figure out. I'm right. just using them as one example, but it's happened all across and, and I categories. Think, I think big data is really important, right? To it really is, find out what much. customers want, uh, and then taking that information because it really is a customer-driven market now, not right. so much the landlords. The, the customers are really pushing the landlords, hopefully now, to renovate and be innovative. Yep. Um, but I think with that, it, it would be important for them to take that and really understand what the customer wants, and also where they want human interaction within that sales process or that customer service process because right. you know the word frictionless it's funny it was front row with media sitting yeah. at your thing yesterday and when you start bringing up frictionless and talking about it some guy behind me i heard says to the to the lady uh, what does he mean by frictionless and she's like well you know making life easier and the guy's like so you mean not dealing with a human for 20 minutes <laughs> yeah. and he's like wow like had to laugh and you know yeah. there is some right to that like yep. We're, we're cutting humans out of certain equation, and I That's think true. we have to know when to insert that human contact back in. Right. So insert 
where it really is friction, where really the computer can do that better, but then figure out where to take that human element out, but still involve that in the process and not replace it, because Correct. then we're seeing a lot of this aspect online, right, with people yep. spending too much time online, not connecting enough. Right. So I think if, if they were able to get data to see if they ask, where would yeah. you like the human element within our process? Well, I don't need it to check in, check out, because the computer can do that, but when yeah. I have questions, I want someone there, I want a physical right. person, or you know, when I need help. Exactly, yeah, I mean, one of, the, one of the most high friction places in the retail transaction in a physical store is waiting to check out, right? right. I hate standing in this line waiting, you know, just to scan my stuff and leave. Uh, and then the other end, too, returns. When I bring it back in again, uh, I've got to usually stand in line and show a receipt and go through all this process. So those two ends are, I think, where the retailers are focusing the most on reducing the friction there. But you still want the human interaction when you come into the store right. and you want to ask about something or get help with something or find out how to use it or, you know, so look at look at Apple. They, they've really figured out that frictionless model, right? There's no there's no line to check out. When you want to buy that, that iPhone yep. after you've spent time playing with it, you just wave at a person wearing a red shirt and a lanyard and they walk over and they just swipe you out and off you go. Yep. Um, and so I think a lot of other retailers are figuring that model out and trying to, trying to recreate that experience. They still have a very high touch personal aspect of people who really know the product and can really help you with it and they're not like commission salespeople who are just hounding you to get the deal done, right? They just, they, they're ready to help you and, and advise you and teach you and, and all of that and then once you're comfortable with it, the, the checkout process is easy uh, and if you need help with it afterwards, it's really easy as well. So where they can blend that mobile technology, yep. online technology with that in-person experience uh, is really and I think, I think that's kind of where we're at right now. Like I said, yeah. we're, we're trying to, you know, sometimes we go extreme in certain, right. you know, like everyone's on spending all the time online. Now we're yeah. seeing some pushback mentally, you know, in the community with people spending yeah. too much time digitally in front of it and how to unplug. And yep. and I think you don't you don't want to bombard. I mean, here you can see everything with, you know, last mile with computer. They have robots out there that are right. everything. And it's like, yep. as great as this is, yeah. I still think we, we need to do what, what you and I are doing here, yeah. sitting face-to-face, -face, having, human beings. having we a still conversation. Want to interact. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah. Even millennials, you know, I saw an interesting survey recently that, that millennials, are, are, they like to shop in person, yeah. especially for clothing well, and things like that. Well, even younger than millennials Even now. more, the, the, yeah. The, whatever they call it, the, Z, the, the, the younger generation of millennials yeah, yeah. are actually going back to the malls, they said now. And, and, right, and they, they actually are, are looking for that right. more personal experience. Which is always interesting, because you always want to do the opposite of what the generation, or two, <laughs> yeah. two your parents. Natural you know, youth rebellion you know, or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah, all of a sudden they want to go <laughs> back to the, to the, you right, know, to right, the malls. Right. What, yeah. um, what, what are some interesting, uh, in the retail space, what, what's some exciting, interesting uh, up-and-coming companies that you see that landlords are really interested and excited to have in their space? Well, we, I mean, we already talked about the fitness tenants. I think yeah. that's one that uh, they all really want to get in there. I mean, you have like companies there. like uh, off, off the top that you think Specific are really doing, yeah, brands, like a brand that you think is um, really kind of doing something interesting. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I would really speak to any particular retailers or brands, uh, those categories that we talked about before are really yeah. it. Uh, one thing, when I talk to leasing people, uh, that are in charge of shopping centers. You know, what, what, what category is the bulk of your new leasing right now? Uh, it used to be 20% or so was restaurants. Now it's like 50% or above. So, so eating out, you know, fresh new concepts in the dining out space, 
I think that's the most uh, exciting and, and thriving right. space right now. And the, the, the food halls, obviously, food which are interesting. Food halls are a big trend, yeah. I was saying this in a previous podcast, because that's kind of why, like, when you go to Europe, you want to go to Europe for an experience, and that's one of the yeah. experience. You go to Italy, right? It's the vendors and the food, right. and you can taste the prosciutto and the cheese. And, yeah. And now we're bringing a little of that here, you know, I think in the food hall, which yep. is not like the mass food halls they used to be with, it's exciting, interesting. It's not know, a food, food court of it's a bunch of places. Court, right? yeah, I don't yeah. know why hall is different, but it's like a mercado and, you know, you go to Mercado San Miguel a lot in of Madrid interesting and things. all yeah, different yeah. people, you know, craftsmen and what they do. Right. And I think that that's important. And this is something I also brought up is landlords have to have smaller brands uh, able to come into their centers to take risks. Right. Uh, just like startups would. And you know, landlords previously is very hard. You know, what you know, what's your experience? What, what's your credit rating? What's your look? Yeah. We're starting up. We don't know if we're going to be around in two years. Yeah. Sorry, we don't want to have you in here. Right. Um, and that didn't spur the innovation and the growth. And mm -hmm. that's how I think we got to this stage because they were yeah, too right. conservative. Uh, and mm -hmm. I think now it's exciting because yep. if you if you allow some of these short term brands to come in. Then, um, then they can actually do something interesting, like uh, you know, the food trucks have done, right? Right. So they yeah. go from food truck to actual physical store, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. Or you know, now with the food courts, you can have like six or seven interesting brands there, yeah. and maybe that brand then is in 300, 400 square feet, right. serving tacos, and they're just having a line around the block. That, and now the landlord's that like that you know authentic what? experience. I think is what people are looking for. Yeah. That unique, authentic. Uh, it's not just the same old chain, you know, thing right. that you get everywhere. There's still a market for those too. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I think a lot of that new trend is that people are looking for a unique experience, you know, something uh, special. But I also uh, need on the landlord's case, if yeah. they allow um, a, like an incubator, a few of these smaller companies sure, to take sure. a risk in a food court, right? And maybe one of them, you know, what eight out of ten restaurants fail in the first couple of yeah. years. That's a lot of money. That's, that's right. someone's maybe mortgaging their house just to open up a taco place. So yeah. if we can. Reduce the risk and allow failure, but smaller to fail, meaning smaller it's not going to wipe yeah, you out. Yeah, smaller sure. chunks, yep. and then maybe that, like I said, that small food court company has a big line and a lot of demand. Then the landlord's like, "Well, I tell you what, you've done phenomenally well with your sales in 300 square feet." Kind of yep. like uh, your panelist said yesterday. Yeah, with, exactly. Right with her uh, Beth. Um, right. Sure. Uh, the hoagies, or she a, had a yeah subway, uh, subway shop in one of her places that's just doing great. Now they've expanded them. Right. Uh, and so she loves it now. And she has other places. She's going to right. want to put them in, maybe bigger space, then commit to longer, sure. you know, leases. And that's yep. that's I think a successful. Yeah, you know. I think landlords definitely see themselves more and more as uh, in partnership with their tenants. It's not just sign a lease and then let them go do their business. It's very much, especially shopping centers, especially those kind of tenants. You know, it's more of a a partnership uh, and help helping each other with that and and curating a set of of uh, tenants that work together. You know, you don't need five of the same thing in a shopping center. You need lots of different things so that people have multiple reasons to come back uh, multiple times to that location to try all those different things out, you know? Right. So, um, yeah, it's definitely in the food space. That's probably the most innovative and exciting, you know, most, most active space going on right now. Uh, and it's following one of the trends that we talk about yeah. in our report. No, it's, it's very, very exciting. Yeah. What has been your take so far at this ICSC, uh, the atmosphere, the energy? Yeah. Is it um, comparable to last year's or, or I would say uh, even more positive. I think things were starting to shift positively last year after a little bit of a lull. Um, but even more so this year, you know, we had a record number of people come to our client party on Sunday night to kick off the show. We had a record number of people come to Retail Trends, uh, all the discussion afterwards. Uh, and all the meetings the last couple of days that I've been having, uh, people are much more positive now. Um, I think last year, 
we had a set of buyers that were still playing wait and see, and right. so there was a bit of a bid-ask spread between where sellers would sell and where buyers would buy. And now with the economy doing so well and unemployment and the 10-year treasury dropping again, um, the buyers are the ones that seem to be making up the difference now. Because instead of a fear of making a mistake, it's now a fear of missing out. Right. Uh, right. They don't want to miss you know, a good yield opportunity. I think unless uh, some certain select markets, I, I heard one broker over talking like Fifth Avenue in you know, New York and landlords are still holding out. There's a lot right. of vacant space in certain areas and they're still kind of sitting on it, right. waiting, you know, yep, yep. Um, in that market. So I think certain markets maybe, you know, uh -huh. more so than others. Um, you, obviously for people that are interested, because you have a lot of, uh, you know, clients that come here, sure. um, you, you obviously do a lot of research. We do. I think the I'm research great is research great. Um, so maybe you could talk a little bit about uh, someone who has a property, maybe wants to be a client, maybe he's going to transact with Marcus uh -huh. Millichap, where they can, you know, go either online, you know, yep. to get or sign up yeah. to get some of your, your great, you know, research that you have. Yeah, absolutely. Well, obviously our website is the best place to go, so marcusmillichap.com. Uh, if you go to the retail section, you're going to see me uh, on that page, and, right. and uh, I'm, I'm always happy to direct people where, uh, where they will find the best help in their local markets for whatever they need. That's part of my role is, is to help people do that. Uh, our research team also happens to be based in Phoenix, where okay. I am. Oh, yeah. um, so we have 20 people, plus or minus, uh, on our national research team, and they are always working on a new report, uh, not just for retail, but for all the other product types as well. Uh, we recently released a single-tenant net lease report, uh, before that, a retail report. Uh, we've got special reports we're releasing all the times on different trends and things that are going on out there. The, the tax law changes that happened. Yeah. We had a report that came out on that. It was very popular. We're doing webcasts ourselves as well. We right. did that towards the end of last year. Um, so yeah, I mean, our research team does over a thousand reports uh, annually. So uh, we're always updating that content. And the best way to find that is to go to our website. That's wonderful. Yeah. And, and just like I said, the retail trends uh, book that you gave here, what's nice about yeah. this too is it's, it's not overly analytical. It's almost, I liked how you did it. It's almost geared towards a children's book in a way. <laughs> Hopefully <laughs> a, not that low, no, but no, yeah, yeah. I mean, we wanted no, everyone to I'm understand talking, it. I'm yeah. talking, you know, look, notes where you can write notes in very simple yeah, and, yeah, exactly. and, and highlighted areas. And yep, what yep. I mean by that is I, you know, kind of keep it simple very uh, much, for a yeah. lot of people that don't want to get overburdened with, you know, too much research and just want yep. to know what's trending. I think this is phenomenal. And well, and so, I think retail is, a, is an intuitive product type to people. You know, we all spend a lot of time in retail spaces, right? So we kind of get it. We know what we like, we know what we don't like. So it, it only takes a little bit of extra digging into the fundamentals right. and the nitty gritty to really help people understand uh, that this is not a, you know, an overly complex product type that you can't understand. So that's, that's what we do. We help our investors understand the product type and to make good decisions. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, Scott, I want to really thank you for taking the time to sit down and talk yeah, with me. my pleasure. And also thank you for not only the great Retail Trends event, also the, uh, the great party that you have for your clients here. Yeah. Uh, if anyone does come to ICSC uh, Recon and they want to work with a broker, Marcus Millichap, they should definitely try to stop by their booth for sure. and attend one of their events. Yeah, thanks. So Appreciate thanks so much it. and right. definitely look forward to covering your news. All right.